Madame Chocht. She was French, a Juliette Greco lookalike. And she taught me what learning a language was for, communication. She told us she had taken the trouble to learn our language and now, in lessons, we would only speak hers. It was so much more fun than the English-French teacher we'd had in the first year when we were rattling off Je suis du A. It was nearly six decades since Madame Schott taught me French and we are still in touch. I'm Jenny Murray and this is Now I'm Grown Up, a podcast about living longer, career change and education. Now I'm very lucky to have had such an inspiring figure in my life, but of course I'm not alone. He was an ex-equity trader and he took me under his wing uh, at the time. But she insisted that I should do the Oxford entrance exams and off to Oxford I went and that would never have happened without her. My science physics teacher when I was more 15 years old who... That part of me that is still in the art room talking about art with Mr Benefer makes me think that perhaps there's a whole other future that might involve art or art school in some way. She said to my dad at parents' evening, Lucy is a natural mathematician. And that was the compliment that sort of made my life. Each week on this podcast, we've heard from people who've returned to the classroom, now they're grown up, to retrain as teachers and change someone else's life. We've delved into the big topics surrounding education at the moment, the ideas behind a later life career change, And we found out what it's really like to swap the boardroom for the staff room. For this week's episode, we're doing things slightly differently and taking an up-close and personal look at that lifelong importance of a student-teacher bond. To help us do that, I'm joined by Bobby Siegel, a former investment banker turned maths teacher, author and television presenter, and his maths teacher from secondary school. Nick Christie, or Mr Christie, I think we should say. Bobby, why was Mr Christie such an inspiring teacher for you? So I think uh, Mr Christie, I'll still, the thing is I'm still struggling to call him Nick. <laughs> I struggle because, you know, in your, in your mind, like it's Mr Christie the teacher, but I'll, I'll intersperse between the two. So Mr Christie, I think in the maths lessons, he was like a model of calm. It's like almost like this like Buddhist, like there, teacher at the front, this source of knowledge. And he, he's inspiring because I think he really believed in students. If you wanted to work hard, if you wanted to push yourself, Mr. Christie was there to like cheerlead you, support you, push you to your very best. And I think St. Bonaventure was a good school in a challenging area. Often, you know, people say, oh, East London in the 90s is a difficult place to grow up. Not many students did well, progressed to towards A-levels and top universities. But in our maths class, Mr. Christie, I always felt like, yes, I'm in a class that was serious, in a class where the teacher really wanted to extend us. He, he epitomized for me what it meant to be a solid, dependable teacher that you knew you could rely on. Mr. Christie, if I may call you Nick... Is that all right? Yes. Absolutely. You're not my teacher, so I think I can call you <laughs> That's Nick. That's fine. Yeah. How aware were you at the time that you would have a really profound effect on Bobby's life? Well, 
Not really that much aware. I mean, the thing about Bobby was I taught Bobby from year in year ten, eleven, but he was already well known in the school as being somebody who was you know really keen. All the stu- all the teachers that you know were talking about Bobby. He was um, you know, he excelled in everything. He was a bit of a polymath in that way. When we taught him, you know, he was always keen to learn. You know, he was eager. He wanted to understand things. He wanted to do more than you know what what we're actually doing in the lesson. He wanted to go. He wanted to extend himself beyond that. So. Um, I mean, it's flattering that he, he thought I was the inspiration to him, but at the time, I don't think that was something that I um, appreciated, really. What did you see in the young Bobby Siegel that made you think, oh, yeah, this boy's going to go far? Well, he just had this thirst for knowledge. You know, I mean, he wasn't satisfied with not understanding some things, but also he was the kind of person that um, was more than willing to help others. And the students in the class, you know, were quite happy to go and sort of like, you know, ask Bobby for help. And he was quite happy to, to give it. I don't know, he just was a dream to teach, really, in that sense. Bobby, to what extent would you say he has influenced the life you have now and the things you are now very well known for? To be honest, it's I highly influenced. In fact, when I... Uh, change careers at 30 to become a teacher because again I, before I was a teacher and educator I was uh, a investment banker at Lehman Brothers and we weren't with you know not, not a good yeah, choice that of bank, bankers we know that bank. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I after the Lehman collapsed not great uh, then I went to Namor doing the same job as a trader at the Japanese bank and then I moved sort of slight sideways became a uh, chartered accountant at PwC. Funny enough, my dad's sort of proud of most of many things in my life, but he's most proud as an Indian father of his son being a chartered accountant. <laughs> but when I, so at PwC, I had like an epiphany moment where I was teaching new graduates. So I had sort of like a mini sabbatical. And when I was teaching the graduates, I found myself, wow, I love, I, 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 to be honest, Jenny, I enjoyed the corporate job. I did. But teaching people, I found myself coming to life. And then I made a decision, actually, I want to go into this full time. And that's when I got in touch with uh, Nick or Mr. Christie, found, found his email, dropped him a message saying, you know, I'm thinking of changing uh, careers to become a teacher. And Nick was the person said, yeah, fine, I'll organize, you know, for you to come to our school. Um, and I spent many weeks, maybe five, six weeks, uh, sort of as a TA doing bits of teaching with six formers and GCSE students in Key Stage 3. So actually, if it wasn't for Mr. Christie or Nick responding back to me and being so positive and enthusiastic, I wouldn't be a teacher. Now, Bobby is, is now quite famous for making up puzzles and, and games. He does it for Radio 4, for the Today programme. Mr. Christie, how much did you make that sort of thing part of your teaching that they would play games, make up puzzles, have to work things out? Uh, it wasn't one of the strengths that I had, I don't think. That wasn't something that I uh, really, really did, you know. What I'd more try to do, especially with something like Bobby, was I'd think about the kind of things that you do, maybe sort of A-level and universities, sort of those kind of things. So it was more about, I think, ext- trying to give them more knowledge rather than doing... I'm not very good at thinking of puzzles. It's not It's not my forte. Yeah. Can you do Bobby's puzzles? Have you ever, have you ever tried to do one of his puzzles? Uh, I can I, I can usually do puzzles. I can usually do them after a while, but not uh, it's it's the actual thinking of them. And uh, yeah, that's not me. No. How pleased were you when he came to you and said, "Mr. Christie, I want to be a teacher." Well, I was pleased, but I was surprised because obviously, you know, working as a, a investment banker, you know, you, I'm sure that the, the money that was being earned in that sort of sphere was far beyond what you're going to get as a teacher. 
But I don't think uh, it seems to me. I don't think Bobby's really interested in 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 money in that sense. I think he just likes engaging with people, and I think actually falling into teaching is something that's really sort of you know. I think so. He really enjoys. He's obviously he's a great communicator. You know, I'm really pleased that he has done it. Yes. Is that true, Bobby? That you're not really interested in money? So it's a good question because I think so. I, again, my family we. Uh, my parents are from South India, Kerala, the Kerala state, and they moved to Britain in the late 70s, uh, growing up in East London, initially in a council estate in East Ham, still in East Ham now. So money was always tight, but what we valued was um, education and opening our mind and reading. And again, we had a family ritual where we'd go to East Ham Library every single Saturday afternoon, absorbing all sorts of books, again, Aztec culture, Victorian engineering, fiction of Tolkien. And it was that sort of thirst for knowledge that I developed as a young child that I sort of translated when I went to secondary school at St. Bonaventures. So again, I realized, again, perhaps one of the first reasons I joined banking after I graduated was because I thought, ah, I'm a young numerate graduate. You're drawn to the city. You know, you get the milk rounds and the bank saying, we'll make you lots of money. And you're drawn to it. But then the more I did, I realized actually, if you're, you do need to be comfortable in life, you know, so that you can pay your rent or your mortgage and maybe go on a couple of holidays. But once you've got a certain amount, actually, it's, it's the people around you that make a difference. Again, and I found actually in teaching, that's the I find the best profession where you're with people, you're changing lives, and you feel amazing for it too. So in a weird way, being a teacher is selfish because you feel amazing helping people. And like, that's, that's priceless, literally priceless. Would you say that was what excited you about it, Nick, that you were helping people understand a subject that actually, I have to confess, some of us found really rather difficult? Yeah, well, I mean that is one of the, one of the joys of it. If you if you get a sort of a moment where the where the student actually sort of understands something for the first time, you know, it's it's uh, it is quite a joy to to behold. Um, yeah, teaching. I mean, you're meeting so many different. You know, I've taught thousands of pupils over. I was teaching for thirty seven years. You know, I thought thousands of pupils, and they're all different, and you interact with them in all different ways. You know, and uh, it's nice when it, when when you do get sort of thanks and reward from, from students. I mean, you know, I live in Newham. I've taught in Newham all the 37 years. And, you know, I'm always meeting students, you know, past students. I don't always recognise them, but they seem to recognise me. So that, it is, it's nice. It's gratifying when, when, yes, when you see some enjoyment in their faces and some understanding and they actually appreciate what you're doing, you know. So, Bobby, how much of your teaching method now you're doing it yourself did you learn from Mr. Christie? I sometimes I actually try to channel my Mr. Inner Christie. I'll tell you how. <laughs> it's because I'm quite naturally excitable, which is cool when you're like, if you're doing a public talk or if you're doing an assembly and trying to get people really into the subject. But the reality is as a teacher, you do need to get students to do work. And sometimes myself, I can be a teacher that gets a bit sort of carried away, get excited. Like yesterday I was teaching year sevens. And what we're doing, we're talking about um, converting imperial metric measurements. And then I went off a little anecdote. The students were like, but sir, there's just, you know, what's the point of conversions? We can do, you know, computers can do it. And there was a case in 1999 where a Mars probe 
ended up missing its destination because there was a one part of the NASA team put a metric conversion, one part of the NASA team put imperial. And of course, miles and kilometers are not the same. And it just it ended up off target completely. And then I went for about three, four, five minutes. And one of the students was like, so sir, how's the relation to the question? Like, oh yeah, the question. Um, so I'm like, okay, what did Mr. Christie do? Okay, let's get back to the work. So Mr. Christie... It was brilliant at making sure that we learn what we needed to so we progress. So like, yeah, that's how I, that's, I always genuinely, I think Mr. Christie, like, what would Mr. Christie do now? But the, the, those pupils will never forget that, that so, yeah, I know. I think the head of year wa- was walking by and she's thinking, they seem a bit excited, like, what's going on here? <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's actually do the work. We're good, this is the work. What, what's the best thing, Nick, would you say that a teacher can do for their pupils of what when you look back are you most proud well i think it's obviously you want the children to understand what what the subject is you do but you also want them to enjoy it i think getting enjoyment from the pupils is something that's important you know i mean so many people you know so many older people like my generation older you know think of maths as something that somebody else has to do and it's not really important you know that that's yeah, I don't think you hear it so much now with, with younger children. I don't think you hear that so much. But it's about sort of getting them to build confidence, you know, getting to make them confident that they've got an understanding of what they're doing. So I think that's what it is, you know, enjoyment and confidence. What would you say, Bobby, should be taught in schools now that isn't being taught? It's a good question, Jenny, because... People often do ask me this, and I think there is an increased expectation and burden in schools. People are often like trying to cast all of society's issues. They got school should be able to fix personal issues. School should be able to fix personal finance. School should be able to help kids how to change a nut and bolt in a car. School should be able to teach kids how to fill in their tax returns. And I think this comes down to the question of like, what is an education for? Is it to get a certificate so you can move on to the next level? Is it to give people a sense of love for learning and the, the qualities and traits so they can be good citizens? And I think, it's, to be honest, there's no one clear answer, but the reality is there are certain bits of education where when young people leave school, they wish they had known. Again, personal finance is an obvious example. There are bits in the maths curriculum that covers that, but perhaps not enough. So this might be something where the government needs to make sure that the exam boards put in more maths that's related to practical finance. But I think it's, it's a, again, it's almost philosophical. Where do you draw the line? Should schools be uh, places where I learn how to service the car? Should schools be places where I learn how to check online safety? So like, I think it's, it's a tough one, but there's definitely more things they can do. And from a maths perspective, for some students, they're like, ah, I'm going to stop maths at 16. I need to see the relevance. So I think there's still a onus on us as educators, in fact, as people that set curricula to make sure the maths does link more to what young people need when they enter the real world. How useful would you say that would be, Nick, to to make... I mean, a lot of kids don't understand what a mortgage is or... I mean, I know quite grown-up children who still yeah. grapple with those practicalities. It is, it's obviously important. I'm not sure that I'd want to do it in a, in a maths lesson. Particularly. I mean, I think there are, you know, the, the life skills lessons, which I think are important. I mean, we used to, you know, it was something that... People were doing sort of like 10 or 15 years ago. I think it's, you know, there's so many changes in the curriculum that, we, that teachers have got to deal with, you know. And, um, and there's different pressures. But, I mean, obviously, students need to know when they leave school how to how to manage 
how to how to cope financially. So yes, it's something he's doing. But as I say, I don't think the onus would necessarily just be on 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 a maths teacher. I think it's a school it's a school issue, and it's a as I say it's like a life skills, which is it is really important. That occurs, Bobby. How would you say teaching the the profession and what's expected of you has changed from say the days when Mr. Christie was teaching you? Mm, I think it's a combination of like government-led curriculum reform. And then secondly, it's a reflection of how young people are changing. So in terms of government curriculum reform, I think they've started to think a bit more about uh, the skills needed in mathematics. There's a, you know, people are now asked to do numeracy 16, 17, 18. You have to stay in school now. You can't just leave at 15, 16. Um, But I think it's more in terms of how young people have changed. And I think a lot of students now, their attention spans are much shorter because, again, in the 90s when I was a student, uh, dis- there are fewer distractions. You know, there are, there are books, you could do four or five stations on television, whereas now young people, they've got Instagram lives and TikToks. And if if a song doesn't interest them after eight seconds, they're like changing on Spotify. So they're more demanding. So it's trying to find that balance as because obviously maths requires you to work hard. You know, you know, even myself, there are times where I didn't get a concept immediately. I would need to think, okay, Mr. Mr. Christie, can you explain that again? There's some more difficult parts of maths. And I think with young people, because they're more impatient, they don't get it. They're like, I, I can't do it. I give up. So actually, it means that sometimes as a teacher, I, I don't, teaching is not about being an entertainer, because that's not your job. That, you know, people can get that on YouTube. But there's an element of edutainment. You're trying to now, like, again, my lesson yesterday is the first lesson in the morning, and you think, ah, they should be energetic, but they're like, oh, we've got PE next, uh, we're a bit, can you just not go, you know, can you not so go too hard on us? So I think it's young people, they're, they're becoming more demanding because of the world around them is expecting more than they're meant to, you know, kids are, meant, are almost on show all the time. So I think it's, it's, it's that relationship with, with young people that's changing as technology always makes them more, I think, more impatient. What were the most important things you learned, Mr. Christie, as, as you worked through your career from being a very young teacher to being a teacher who might be thinking about retirement? What did you learn that made you a better and better teacher? Well, I think as I said before, when, when I went into teaching, first of all, you've come from a background where, where things have become come easy to you. So like I said, maths was easy. You didn't, I didn't really think about maths in that sense. You know, I certainly didn't think about arithmetic or, you know, sort of doing sort of computation with maths. But as soon as you get into the classroom, you realise that you've you've got to start again, that you've got to really examine how you understand something. And really it makes it, you've got to go deeper into what you did. You know, the fact is that, as I say, mathematics is such a, I mean, mathematics comes from, from nothing almost, you know, there's like three axioms, you know, with numbers, but you, and, and it all builds up. And I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to start building up again. You've got to explain. And it's getting that, trying to explain to students. Your learning is a teacher more than anything else. You know, you're learning how to do things because you things that you took for granted um, just don't work. So that's, I think that's what it is. It's, it's gaining an understanding of yourself, really. But having had you as his model, how good a teacher do you reckon Bobby might be? I think he's got all the qualities, hasn't he? I think he's, as I said, the, the enthusiasm. He's got the knowledge. The main thing is that he cares. I think. I think as a teacher, 
you've got to care. If you don't care, there's no point in, in, in being a teacher. You know, if you, if, you, if you think it's just a job that you just, um, you know, you go in the room and you do what you do and you go away from it, you're not going to get anything out of it and the students aren't going to get anything out of it. I think it's about caring. I think it's obvious that, one, Bobby cares about his subject, but two, he cares about the people that he's teaching. Bobby, you're nodding in agreement. Yeah, because as a teacher, you're dealing with people, young people with real lives and real issues. So you've got to, obviously, I'm there to teach them mathematics and to get them through their GCSEs towards A-levels and thinking about university. But you've got to want to, you've got to love people. You've got to love inspiring them and being role models. And, and again, I think what Nick was talking about earlier, as a teacher, each student is individual. They've got their own individual hopes and aims and desires and, and, and things. And you're trying to challenge that. You're trying to support them. So that's what makes teaching so exciting. Even though, again, I taught, I've, you know, I've been a teacher now since in about 2014 when I changed careers. Even though I've taught fractions and ratios many times, every class has, every student has a different way of approaching it. So um, when you're teaching it, that's what makes it exciting. Because for you, it's not, okay, it might be mathematically the same topic, but that individual, that class, they all have different personalities. And that's what makes it a joy, actually. We've brought the two of you together, and, and I've sort of been questioning each of you. Why don't you question each other now? Bobby, what would you like to ask Mr. Christie? today oh i think it's like i think i think it's like the, the moment uh, we did sort of touch upon it a bit but it's the moment where i'd send an email to mr christie and you know i'm you know i've had my career in finance and, I, and what was your what was your like, reaction when you got that email what was your what was your what was your thought like wow this has come out of the blue i'd, I'd love to hear like your immediate reaction as i said i was surprised because i thought you know i was I didn't imagine that people really want to move from such a sort of a, a well-paid, established job, you know, into something like teaching. I was pleased. I was pleased that you thought about us and I thought, you know, think about the school. And it's nice to, you know, I know there's something about you that you've, you've always wanted to be in, in the community, I think, but about living in Newham, being part of Newham. I think that's what the school's like as well. The school's a bit of a family, really. I suppose like some like a family member coming back, I suppose. Sounds a bit corny, doesn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a school being a family is a lovely idea. What would you, Mr Christie, like to ask Bobby? I, don't, I think I'd just sort of ask him about what, he's, you know, what things he's doing now, you know, and what he wants to do in teaching. Because I know he's, he's got, there's obviously other activities that you're involved with, but how much are you committed to the teaching that you're doing and are you going to expand it, I suppose, and what you see as your future in education? Yeah, I think so. I think the way I see my career, Nick, was again, since University Challenge, I got propelled into sort of media stardom, as it were. And and when people have these moments, it's University Challenge every year, there's a couple of contestants that stand out, have like, they're almost like Andy Warhol, 15 minutes of fame, they get a couple of interviews. But I've decided to use that to really talk about education, maths, literacy, numeracy. Again, I'm now an ambassador for the charity National Numeracy. And I work with the likes of Rachel Riley from Countdown, Martin Lewis from Money Saving Expert. And in fact, I've recruited um, Katia Jones, the Strictly Come Dancing champion, and Peter Sorkins, the Bake Off champion, to become numeracy ambassadors. So I think it's trying to use my profile in the media to draw 
other public figures in the supporting maths. So obviously, with my own students, like for example, with the 28 year sevens yesterday morning, I can teach them and inspire them. And I love doing that because you feel that immediate impact. But it's trying to use my public facing role to try and influence other people that I don't teach. And again, I do work with the UK libraries. I've Again, my story about libraries was heard by the professional body of librarians and they asked me to become the UK library's champion, a role I took on from Mary Beard and Stephen Fry. Um, so again, I love maths, but also reading has been important to me. So I think I'm trying to use my sort of almost a dual identity, someone that teaches part-time in a school, in a real school with real issues and kids that sometimes want to muck about, but also someone that uses their public profile to really try to get others to think about being a teacher, being an educator and the role of learning in life. One last question, Mr. Christie. How proud of him were you when you saw him on University Challenge? Well, I was proud, I was, I suppose I was proud of him, but, you know... He was when he was on University Challenge. He was just like he was when he was at school. You know, I mean, the thing about Bobby is, even if he doesn't know the answer, he doesn't know the answer to everything. He's always willing to give it a go. You know, that's one of the things that stood out. I think that's what what made him stand out in that in that performance on University Challenge. I suppose it was a performance, really. It sounds like performance anyway. But he's, you know, he's he's just so keen and enthusiastic. I think everybody could see what kind of person he was. So yes, in that sense, I was very proud of him. Bobby Siegel, Nicholas Christie, fascinating talking to both of you. Thank you very much. Now do subscribe to follow this programme and revisit any of the episodes you might have missed. Next time we have one more bonus episode for you where I'll be sitting down with Lucy Kellaway, the co-founder of Now Teach, who'll be telling me why she changed her home, her husband, her hair, and of course, her job. Like me, she's doing something different after more than three decades in the same career. We'll be talking about Lucy's new book and about both of our new junctures in life. I hope you'll join us then. Bye for now. Now I'm Grown Up is brought to you by Now Teach, a charity which inspires talented people to bring their experience into the classroom. If you feel like a change and want to use your existing skills in exciting new ways, head to nowteach.org.uk or if you know someone who you think would be an amazing teacher, send them this podcast. Maybe it'll be just the push they need. And don't forget to follow the show and leave it a rating on Apple Podcasts. Now I'm Grown Up is produced by Antonio Cundy and Theodora Leludis and the credits are read by me, Livy Podba, age 12.